Move, said the great white father. There are many, so many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? Thank you. Crashing you into Mr. Wayne. No, please don't. Um... I need you here now, Barry. So you're saying you could travel back in time? But Bruce, I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents. We can also destroy everything. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. Yeah. You guys ever think about dying? Every Deadpool needs to stand out and stand apart. It's been an incredible challenge that has forced me to reach down deep inside. And I have nothing. Yeah, it's just completely empty up here and terrifying. But we did have one idea. Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? Yeah, sure, Ryan. Episode 48 of Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. How the heck are you guys doing? It has been a full two months since I've sat at the mic, but I'm back. And I'm excited because there's so much to talk about. From Deadpool 3 to the Fantastic Four casting to the Barbie movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, a Scorsese. Everything from that to The Flash, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. There's a Brave and the Bold director. That's a new Batman movie with a new director and a familiar name. We'll get into that. GFF, what does it stand for? Well, that's an acronym that you should memorize because next weekend is my GFF. And I'll explain that. And then the Superman Legacy casting. We have some names. We have some people for Lois Lane, for Superman, for rumored Lex Luthor, the authority will be in Superman Legacy. Let's let's crack this thing wide open, guys. There's so much to talk about. It's been two months, and I've put out the segment series, The Scale. And this was a little fun thing that I did a few years ago where I broke down all of the Batman movies, <clears throat> basically starting with Batman 1989 all the way to The Dark Knight. I tried doing Dark Knight Rises to sort of complete the Dark Knight trilogy, but 
it just didn't feel as climactic for me doing that one as it did The Dark Knight. So with that being said, the segment series The Scale, I'll be releasing the final episode, part seven, The Dark Knight. I'll be releasing that today. And y'all don't know this already, but episode 48 is after that. So this will come out after that. So I hope, given that the full series of The Scale has been released and you guys have enjoyed it. And if you haven't, and it's not your cup of tea, that's totally fine. And I welcome you back in to your mainstream comic book movie guy podcast, where I talk about the current things happening and the exciting things, the things that tickle my fancy, if you will. And that is where we're at today is, holy man, let's just, uh, let's dive right into it. I mean, Deadpool, Deadpool 3 is going to be a massive movie in 2024, from Ryan Reynolds to Hugh Jackman to rumors of the X-Men cast from the early 2000s, James Marsden, whoever that girl is who played Jean Grey, Halle Berry as Storm, those three are confirmed to be returning in Deadpool 3 alongside Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. So like, I have no doubt in my mind we are going to see some form of like the different X-Men suits from the comics. Like, and... It feels as though Deadpool 3 could be a sort of mixed bag of Deadpool and a ton of fun characters that we know and love, you know? And I just think that, like, Deadpool is a major sell, kind of no matter what. And it's been a long time since Deadpool 2 came out. Remember Deadpool 2 with Cable, Josh Brolin, and that little Australian kid who was, like, a total asshole or New Zealand you know my friend Austin just went to New Zealand to visit uh his girlfriend Tara who's studying abroad and Tara she's coming back today so shout out to Tara Kapoor and welcome back to the lovely land that is Alberta Canada we've missed you Tim Hortons greets you us Canadians greet you and welcome you back to our beautiful smoky safe haven here in the north side of the globe. So welcome back, Tara. And I the reason I brought up Tara in New Zealand and Austin going to New Zealand is they ran into some people um, from the Mari Mari tribe. And they talk just like Kog from Thor, Thor Ragnarok, and from Thor Love and Thunder. Y'all know Korg. Y'all know Taika Waititi. He's the director of said Thor movies, and he voices Korg, and he's from the Mari Mari. So, and also the Haka. If y'all don't know the Haka, look up the Haka on YouTube, and you'll see the Mari Mari performing the Haka before a rugby game, and it's one of the most powerful things you'll ever see. It's awesome. So welcome back, Tara, and Thank you to the Mari Mari for giving us the Deadpool villain in the second in the second film. Anyways, away from that sidetrack, let's talk about the big news. That's Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine. And he is the perfect, well, I mean, I could say it over and over again. He's the perfect choice for Wolverine. But it's just, it's really cool to see 
you know, the friendship between Hugh and Ryan. And then on top of that, you know, Hugh's been posting that he's back in the gym. He's really back, like working to get back to that Wolverine form. And it's, you know who it's for? Is it's for his friend Ryan and it's for this movie, but it's also for the fans. And it's like, guys, we've been waiting so long to see Hugh Jackman in basically that yellow and black suit, right? The X-Men, the Wolverine suit that Logan wears in, let's say, the 97 cartoons. You know, that's that's basically, it's the most well-known look of Wolverine. And Hugh's never donned it because Hugh's version of Wolverine is much more grounded and realistic. And let's be honest, he just looks the part of Logan and it works so well. It works so well. This movie's rated R. And Deadpool has always, always paired well with Wolverine. So I get really excited when I think of, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool, like, killing each other, essentially, the whole movie, stabbing each other and whatever else. I mean, even in the promo where Hugh and Ryan are joking together on the couch, and Hugh, like, puts it, fakes putting his claws into Ryan's head and, like, under his chin, you know, the classic Wolverine kill where he puts it under the the guy's chin and puts his claws right through the top of his head. Man, the movie Logan uh, with James Mangold, as you guys know, is fantastic. And that movie, there were so many of those kills that I just really enjoyed. And I hope we get more of those kills from Deadpool 3. And I just hope that the, the choreography, let's say, of the fighting is uh, up to par and that they choose to go a very violent, violent but yet sort of campy, cartoony way uh, about this movie. And I hope we get some really cool action sequences between Deadpool and Wolverine. And I mean, if you're going to throw in James Marsden, Cyclops, and Halle Berry Storm, and Jean Grey, like, yeah, I'm in. I'm way in. I'm all the way in on Deadpool 3. So that's an exciting one for me for 2024. I got to bring up Fantastic Four because there's been some rumors, all right? And it sounds like it's pretty much locked. Um, but the two main players are Sue Storm and Mr. Fantastic. And for a long time, I was pulling for them to continue the storyline with John Krasinski and bring Emily Blunt in as Sue Storm. Pipe dream. Pipe dream, I know. But at the same time, it was it was a cool idea. And I just, I like John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. For me, he embodies Mr. Fantastic. But my ears perked up a bit when I heard who they're eyeing for Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm. Mr. Fantastic, they have tapped Adam Driver. That's interesting to me because Adam Driver has major success in big blockbuster movies. He's just a sell. You know, I just saw a terrible uh, dinosaur movie with him, but like his name alone brought people out. And I think Fantastic Four, he could really nail... Um, the role of Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic. And I just think it would be a very different uh, version of Reed Richards than we've seen on screen before. And I think that was like, I love that choice. There's a lot of guys out there who could play Reed Richards. And let's be honest, like a, a professor who is, you know, smartest man in the world and can stretch out 100 miles long. You can cast anyone. You really can. I mean, the fans are going to be picky about who you cast for sure, right? 
but Adam Driver fits the bill. And I think he's a very interesting choice. And paired with, now this is where, this is where I get, I'm not worried about it because it's perfect. Margot Robbie as Sue Storm. Now, Hollywood is funny because Margot Robbie has not sold her big box office movies lately. The movie Babylon with Brad Pitt, that was a big one. It was supposed to be huge. It was ja- it was Damien Chazelle's third movie of his well-accomplished career from La La Land to Whiplash. It's a, he's an acquired taste, Damien Chazelle, but you respect what he does. And Babylon was long, it was muddy, it had tons of people in it, and Margot Robbie was not a sell. You know, and I think of her as a very talented actress. But the thing is with Sue Storm is Sue needs to look a certain way. And Margot, she's really good at playing the 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 femme fatale, let's say. Harley Quinn, as we know, she's perfect for that role. She was made for that role. But it's interesting to me to see her in sort of this empowering... Um, lead woman role alongside Adam Driver I think it would work really well and as for the thing and Johnny Flame there uh, Sue's brother uh, Johnny Storm he's the guy who turns into the fireball essentially and then the thing as you know is the big rock creature from Fantastic Four and those two are also rumored to be done deals but I'm not going to disclose those names because Number one, they're kind of no names. They kind of haven't been in much and uh, they don't overly excite me. So that'll be more of a wait and see. And I mean, Fantastic Four, man, like, I just want to say this with the news dropping about Jonathan Majors and that shit show going on there with the domestic abuse and, you know, the rumors of him beating up his girlfriend and. It's just awful, man. It sucks to hear. It sucks to hear for women worldwide that this is still happening. And it sucks to hear that, like, this up-and-coming superstar in Hollywood just throws it all away like that, you know? And I haven't seen Quantumania, Ant-Man Quantumania, but from various sources I've heard that Kang is the best part of that movie. And, I mean, you can tell by the trailers that he is. And Jonathan Majors is a very, very good actor. And I can think of a handful of movies that he's been in so close together here, starting to get a role, starting to get some momentum. You know, let's build up Kang. Let's have him be the main villain of this. But what I'm getting at is Kang could be no more. We might not even go down that route or they might have to recast him. What a mess. What a mess for Marvel right now. So what I'm trying to get at is Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, Dr. Victor Von Doom, he's another big bad that could work, and he's another name that people are somewhat familiar with. So I think Fantastic Four, while it already had a ton of weight on its shoulders to do well, is now, you know, Marvel's biggest project in the next little bit here, Um, not to mention, you know, Spider-Man and all that stuff. Well, like, that's a separate thing for me right now with Tom Holland taking his year break and Spider-Man 4 being written and rumors that the script is really good, rumors that Miles Morales could be brought in. All right, 
you know, Spider-Man 4, that's, that's news for a later date. That's stuff for a later date. But Fantastic Four, this needs to work. And this needs to work right now. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot riding on it. And on the subject of Margot Robbie, I'm going to jump to Barbie. Barbie is great, man. It looks awesome. Ryan Gosling looks like he's going to be the perfect Ken. I like what they're doing with the story. I like how it's all fun and games. And to all you men out there, ages 25 to 30, yes, it is okay to be excited for the Barbie movie. I said it here first. I'll say it a hundred times. I'll scream it from the rooftop, man. It's okay to be excited for Barbie because let's be honest. Barbie was part of our childhood. She was always there. Ken was sidelined. Barbie was, Barbie was powerful, man. And yes, there was the whole, you know, there was the whole thing about Barbie coming out on screen for me where it was like, Margot Robbie is the perfect Barbie. Ryan Gosling is the perfect Ken. But like, what the hell are they going to do in a Barbie movie, you know? But the latest trailer, it looks fun, you know? It looks like she kind of gets jolted into the real world. And, you know, the, the stereotype of how Barbies, you know, women were always on their tiptoes. And Barbies are on the tiptoes, like this prim and proper posture. And, you know, during the trailer, the she slowly releases her ankles down. And everybody's like, ah, her ankles are touching. I love that humor. I love that they use these sort of like, it's like a backhanded way of laughing at the sexism in a way that existed back then when Barbies were created. And I just think the cast looks great. I mean, apart from the two, I know that... Uh, Shang-Chi there, uh, I can't think of his name, but he's in it, and uh, I think that when I, when I go to ultimately watch this movie, I don't think it's going to be in theaters, I'm going to watch it at home, because I'm too embarrassed to go to the theaters and see it, you know, it is what it is, but I just, I needed to mention how good Barbie looks, and I think that it's going to sell to children, I think it's going to sell to middle-aged adults, and I really do think that it's going to sell to my generation, you know, 25 to 30, let's say. And uh, a lot of people are going to go and see this movie. And the box office is going to show that when it releases. I believe Barbie's a July release, so we'll have to see kind of how it does. But it's just interesting to me. It's intriguing to hear that Barbie is a thing and that it's coming to the big screen and that it's got big names in it and that, you know... It's just cool. It's cool. It's a weird time, man. It's weird to see that doll that you saw on the shelves coming to a big motion picture movie and like people are going to go watch it and enjoy it and be like, what's Barbie? You know, like kids are going to be like, what's Barbie? What is this? This looks fun. But adults are going to understand the references and all this other stuff. So it makes for a fun, a fun watch. I can only assume. We're going to talk about you know, kind of on the subject of, uh, well, I, I mean, I mentioned Fantastic Four, Spider-Man 4, Deadpool 3. These are all Marvel projects. So lots of Marvel talk today. I want to mention Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because I've heard nothing but good things about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I still haven't seen it. I'm going to wait to see that one at home. Um, but yeah, you know, hearing that James Gunn's send-off with Marvel was really good and that... 
you know, it's Rocket's story. I always liked Rocket as a character, the little raccoon voiced by Bradley Cooper. I think that Guardians of the Galaxy is, and we can say that it's a very successful trilogy, and James Gunn did really good there. And on the topic of James James Gunn, I just want to say that, like, he's found sort of a combination that works with these films. He's really good with the minor characters, isn't he? And it just sort of, it sort of intrigues me that this is the guy that's in charge of Superman now. You know, when I hear anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I hear anything about James Gunn as a person, and anything that comes out of James Gunn's mouth is usually, I'm pretty on board with what he's saying about Superman, and I'm pretty in agreement of what he thinks about Superman and who he should be as a person. I just, I really like James Gunn. I do. And I think that people like James Gunn, and I think the industry likes James Gunn. And this is all, like, a really good recipe for success in the DC Universe. And coming off the success that The Flash is going to have here in resetting the DC Universe, it sounds like The Flash is going to be a celebration of DC before it, DC currently, and DC to come. And that's exactly what I hope for in a multiverse film with a character like The Flash. I think this movie could really set things in a direction that DC can start doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? And it's just interesting to me that The the Flash is receiving nothing but praise. Everybody's loving it. People are going crazy about it. It's just, I'm so excited to see it. And with all of this happening... I just think to myself, this is the time where they're about to change leadership and switch directions on DC. They finally have a successful movie and they're going to shake things up. And that's nobody's fault. It's just funny to me, the timing of this all. Because now they got this big success movie with three Batman and two Flashes and all of these villains that were there before and thereafter, and now we're going to reset it and do something new. And that's fine, and I'm excited for that. And I've heard nothing but praise about Andy Machete, and that's a really, really good sign for the directors of DC, because if we choose Andy Machete, and it has been confirmed, Andy Machete will direct Batman the Brave and the Bold. Now that's exciting. So now I can go to The Flash next Friday, And watch it knowing that this director, this vision, these shots are what could potentially be in the next Batman movie for me. And it makes me really excited that Andy Machete is involved because he's also a really good humble guy. And one of the things that James Gunn said when he was saying, you know, who we're going to hire and who we're not going to hire is we want to hire people who are very easy to work with, who we like. They want to build a culture here. They want to build really good rapport with their writers, with their directors, and with their cast. And that's really good. That's really good news, you know? And with Superman Legacy coming out in 2025, that's the first big one. That's the first real shift into what we're going to see for the future. 
And it's now been released that The Authority, another crew of DC heroes we've never seen before, or anti-heroes, if you will, will be involved in the Superman movie. And there's rumors that they're potentially going to write in the Batman for the Superman movie as well to make some form of an appearance to lead into the Brave and the Bold. That excites me, man. Like, you can go to a Superman movie and expect cameos from other people in this DC universe. And we're just going to be, you know, in our seats and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the heroes. Enjoy our universe. We're starting over. I'm so excited for all of this. I don't know if you can you can tell, but the Brave and the Bold having a director now and some of the casting rumors surrounding Superman are starting to get me get me going. You know what I mean? And it's uh it's interesting to me that we're dealing with a new Superman. But the guy that they've thought about or the guys multiple that they've talked that they've talked about are interesting choices and they're kind of polar opposite ends. Nicholas Holt. What do you think of Nicholas Holt as Superman? Because it's interesting to me that he's been tapped to do a screen test. He's a really good actor, but for me, he does not have the face that I want for a Superman. And it's nothing against him. It's just nothing against him at all. He may have the acting chops to play Superman, but for me, that's not the face I want of my new Superman. So I hope that, um, like when I heard that Nicholas Holt could potentially play Lex Luthor, I thought, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is the route I would go with Nicholas Holt. But an interesting name, David Cornsweet. Now, this name is somebody that you may not have heard of before, but when you look him up, that is who I want to see in that Superman suit for Superman Legacy. Do the acting chops match the look? That's the, that's the wait and see. That's the concern I have, I suppose. If I had to have a concern, that's what it is. Is, okay, that's the guy I want to see in the suit, but how does he screen test? How does he move? How does he sort of present a demeanor that is Superman? And uh, I just hope that this man is up for the task because I know that James Gunn is going to write a good script. The Authority, I don't know anything about them besides who some of their members are, like Apollo the Sun God, or I think Black Knight is potentially one of them. I don't know. But I'm, I'm excited to sort of get introduced to the Authority and introduced to new characters that I'm not aware of. Because James Gunn does a really good job with minor characters. I just hope that the focus is not on the minor characters. That's one of my other concerns, I guess you could say, about Superman Legacy. I think he's going to get a few things really, really right. And the first thing I think he's going to get right about Superman Legacy is the tone. The tone that Superman is. Hope. Sort of a promise, uh, a beacon, 
You know, words that Ben Affleck's Batman used in the Snyderverse, but maybe not so much what Henry Cavill presented because we were all so focused on the rebirth. I want this guy to be a young, established Superman that is just good through and through. This Superman has to be the purest soul that there is. And you have to have those kind eyes and the perfect hair and just a demeanor. You can build a jacked up Superman, but it's the demeanor. It's the way he carries himself. And I think that James Gunn, everything I've heard about the script for James Gunn is that it's heartfelt. And I know that he can hammer home that heartfelt stuff. And I think that if you cast a really good Lois Lane and you cast, because let's be honest, all right, there's a lot of people that love Amy Adams' Lois Lane and there's a lot of people that hate Amy Adams' Lois Lane. And I've come to the conclusion that Amy Adams was a good Lois Lane, but Amy Adams played Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Like she didn't change much about herself. She just played the role as if it was her as a reporter. And you could tell she loved the character of Lois Lane and Superman. And whenever you talk to or you hear uh, Amy Adams in interviews, etc., she's talking about how much she loves the character of Lois Lane. So it's not a shot at her whatsoever. But if you cast like a young, sort of bright-eyed brunette that has this sort of empowering vibe to her, um, doing her own thing, a Lois Lane that we can root for. A Lois Lane that is not a damsel in distress all the time. A Lois Lane that is not a liability to Superman. And maybe she is at some point during his journey, because you have to have that at some point. But it doesn't have to be that simple. It doesn't have to be that broken down to the point where, like, Superman is always saving Lois, and that's the only threat. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's exciting to hear that, like, the Authority, a group of, you know, five or six... um, people who kind of make things hard for the heroes in the world will be introduced in this film. And whether it's two of them, whether it's three of them, whether it's all of them, I just love hearing that there's other DC characters that are going to make appearances in Superman Legacy. And I know it's a while before we're going to see any sort of trailer, but I do think that eventually here, like by, you know, maybe early to late fall, we could start seeing some pictures of screen tests, of what the suit could potentially look like, things like that. And um, when the first trailer does drop for Superman Legacy, sometime in 2024, uh, it's going to be a banger. It's going to be one of the biggest ones of the year. Um, And I really hope that James Gunn kickstarts his universe with authority. No pun intended. So that's about it. You know, that's the little update I had for you guys. I mean, I said Killers of the Flower Moon. How do I not bring that up? Holy man, Martin Scorsese's next one with uh, Apple TV. It's a movie. And it's about... an indigenous tribe, essentially. It looks phenomenal. Can you spot the wolves in this picture? Leonardo DiCaprio just nails it every time, doesn't he? Whenever he comes back from a role, he just, he has a different look about him. He has a different sound to his voice. I don't know how he does it, but he always comes up with a different sort of demeanor and a different 
tone to the way he says things. And it's just like, it, he always psychs me up. And Scorsese, it looks like, so I know nothing about this film. I was about to give you like the, the lowdown of what I understand from it. But I don't understand much of it at all. It just looks like some form of a murder mystery um, that occurs amongst a tribe of indigenous women um, in a small local town where white money comes through, white oil money comes through, and De Niro looks like some kind of big oil mogul who's you know coming through town to like wreak havoc essentially, and it's all about money and power and. There's obviously some form of murders. Like there's a scene in that trailer where Leo's leading his his wife to be to like the murder of somebody that she obviously knows. It looks like three or four separate women that they're going to focus on. Um, and then obviously Leo's character who appears to fall in love with one of the indigenous women. So it looks like one of the biggest movies of the year. It looks like Scorsese is going to nail it. And it looks like, you know, I mean, it's inspired by true events. So it sounds like an important little tidbit in history um, that obviously Scorsese, when he does these films, he just, he always delivers in some form. And whether you're a Scorsese fan or not, you have to admit that the guy has an eye for film. And with that being said, I'm going to conclude today's episode of Comic Movie Guy, the podcast. So I thank you guys for tuning into this one. It's been a lot of fun. It's been about a half an hour of getting a few things off my chest of the exciting things that are coming out, the exciting world of DC and, you know, all of the Marvel success and the Marvel flaws. All of the world will see the big, bold Barbie standing at the helm of the box office at the end of the summer. And the Flash, my GFF, is coming next Friday. And I have GFF as Golf Food Flash. A group of four of us are going for a round of golf after work on Friday. Then we're going to have a bite to eat at the course or maybe during the round. Race over to the theater on the south side of Edmonton. Sit down, plant our asses in that seat for a 10.30 viewing of The Flash. I've been Comic Book Movie Guy. This has been a lot of fun. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Oh, 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 oh,